to the Very Well Mind podcast. We've interviewed over 100 authors, experts, entrepreneurs, athletes, musicians, and others to help you learn strategies to care for your mental health. This episode is hosted by psychotherapist and best-selling author Amy Morin. Now let's get into the episode. You're listening to The Friday Fix. Every Friday, I share a quick mental strength strategy that can help fix the thoughts, feelings, and actions that can hold you back in life. Today, I'm talking about why we sometimes make our biggest fears come true. Obviously, we don't do it on purpose, but sometimes we become so focused on preventing something bad from happening that we actually make it come true. This isn't about victim blaming or to say that people are the cause of their own misfortune. Obviously, there are lots of situations where something horrible happens and we have zero responsibility. So I don't want you to think that I'm also saying that you're going to make your irrational fears come true. Like I'm scared of snakes, but my fear of snakes doesn't make me more likely to die from a rattlesnake bite. What I'm talking about are those things that we worry about happening so much, though, that we actually behave in a way that increases the chances that that unfortunate thing actually happens. Here are a couple reasons why that happens sometimes. Number one, we think so much about our fear that we get caught up in worrying rather than taking helpful action. Like you're worried about a weather report that says you may get a hurricane, so you stay glued to the news and don't prepare for the storm. Number two, we work so hard to prevent our fear from coming true that we inadvertently do things that make it come true. Like let's say you are going to stand up in front of a crowd to give a speech and All you're worried about is that you're going to forget your lines. So when you stand up there in front of the crowd, you just keep thinking, don't forget your lines over and over again, which distracts you and you actually forget what you're going to say. Number three, that thing we're trying to avoid feels familiar. So you might tell yourself that you're never going to have a terrible relationship like your parents had, only to find yourself in a similar relationship because that's what you know. And number four, We compensate for our fear in a way that makes it more likely to happen. Someone who's terrified of driving over bridges might drive 100 miles out of their way every day to get to work without going over a bridge, but that increases the chances that they might die in a car crash. When we see somebody else do these things, it's really easy to pinpoint what went wrong, but it's much tougher to do that when we're doing it in our own lives. A classic example of this is when parents are overprotective of their kids. They shield them from something harmful and they don't let them make any mistakes or they don't let them do things on their own because they don't want them to get hurt either physically or emotionally. But then their kids don't learn the skills that they need to make healthy decisions and they don't learn how to recover from hardship. These are the kids who fall apart the second they get away from mom or dad because they don't know how to make good choices and they don't know how to recover from failure or how to deal with rejection. So ultimately, the parents' choices to try to keep their kids safe makes their biggest fear come true that their child might get hurt or experience pain because they don't know how to handle tough things that come their way. We see that this happens with first-year college students. Some of them crumble at the first bad grade, or they don't know how to handle a disagreement with their roommates. In fact, there's a study that found that when researchers asked college students if they were prepared for college, Most of them say, yeah, I was academically prepared, but 60% of them say they weren't emotionally prepared. 
That's because their parents didn't give them opportunities to practice dealing with struggles. Probably a lot of them wanted to protect their kids from pain. From the outside, it's easy to see that a parent's attempts to shield their kids from pain is going to backfire. But when you're the anxious parent trying to keep your kid from getting hurt, it feels like protecting them right now is the best thing you can do. But when you're the anxious parent trying to keep your kid from getting hurt, it feels like protecting them right now is the best thing that you can do. Overprotective parenting, though, is just one example of how we sometimes turn our biggest fear into a reality. I've seen a lot of different scenarios in my therapy office, and if I'm honest, in my personal life, play out where someone makes one of their biggest fears more likely to come true. Here's some examples. One of my former therapy clients' biggest fear was being lonely, but she acted so desperate whenever she was around people that she actually repelled them. She was afraid that a conversation would end or that people were going to leave, so she talked incessantly. And if somebody was polite and they tried to end the conversation, she just kept talking because she didn't want them to go. So of course people started to avoid her and they didn't really want to spend time with her because she couldn't stop talking. The way she responded to her fear of being lonely meant that she inadvertently made her biggest fear come true. Here's another example. I have a friend who was overweight when she was a kid. So her biggest fear was that her kids would become overweight like she was. So she measured their food so she could accurately count their calories. She made a big deal about eating healthy. And she forbid them to ever eat anything she thought was junk food. Because they spent so much time focusing on food and restricting how much they ate, both of her kids started sneaking food whenever they could. So you know how this story goes, right? To her horror, both kids developed serious problems with eating and food, which was the number one thing that she was trying to prevent. It sounds ridiculous on the surface, but self-fulfilling prophecies like these happen all the time. The more we think about something, like rehashing a mistake that we made or thinking about something that we don't want to happen, the more likely we are to behave in a way that increases the chances that that fear will come true. So often, what you pay attention to will grow. When we have a big fear, we often think about it all the time. It takes a lot of mental energy, and it affects how we behave. And it doesn't just happen with like giant fears that last over the course of decades. Sometimes it's on a smaller scale too. Like here's an example I've heard from several different people. And I've probably done this one myself too. Imagine this scenario. You go to a networking event and you're afraid that you won't have anyone to talk to. So you spend most of the time thinking about how awkward you look standing in the corner all by yourself. Rather than walk around and talk to people, you avoid embarrassing yourself by just staying in the corner and hoping nobody notices. Since no one is talking to you, you leave early. It's a classic example of how you might make that fear come true that nobody talks to you at this event. Here's another scenario. Imagine you're a baseball player. You step up to the plate and you're nervous. So you just repeatedly tell yourself, don't strike out, don't strike out. Well, guess what? Now that you're focused on striking out, you might raise your anxiety, reduce your concentration, and increase the chances that you strike out. You'd be better off stepping up to the plate telling yourself, keep your eye on the ball. I know that this might sound a little bit hypocritical since I'm an author who writes books about what not to do. Like take my first book, 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do, for example. The first thing is that you don't feel sorry for yourself. Well, that's a helpful strategy in the overall big picture of life. I don't want you to walk around repeatedly thinking, don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't feel sorry for yourself. 
Because then you might feel like a failure every time you start to feel self-pity. And then you might pity yourself even more. It's helpful to frame a lot of those big things in life that you want to avoid in terms of don't. Like maybe your goal is don't go into debt. But if you're dealing with something you need to focus on right now, frame it as what to do. For example, when I was a foster parent, I would tell my foster kids what to do. Instead of saying, don't yell at the dinner table, I was better off reminding them what to do right now, like use an inside voice. This is something we can do in our own lives. Remind ourselves, what do I want to do right now? So how do you prevent this negative cycle from unfolding? The first step is to notice when you're afraid that something's going to happen. When you feel really afraid or you're thinking about something awful, pause for a moment. Take a minute and ask yourself, how much time am I devoting to thinking about this? If you are consumed with worry, you're at risk for making poor choices. Also assess your level of fear. Is it out of proportion to the actual level of risk that you face? Then take a look at your behavior next. What steps are you tempted to take to prevent this thing from happening? And how might your behavior actually backfire? Again, this is hard to see within ourselves. You might need some outside perspective. Talk to someone you trust, like a friend or a family member or a therapist if you can. Ask them if they see any hint of behavior that actually might cause your biggest fear to come true. Listen to them and take their words into consideration. It takes a lot of mental strength to stop doing something that is ultimately sabotaging yourself. But when you do that, you're just borrowing a little piece today that you'll have to pay back tomorrow. You might feel better when you're overprotective of your kids today, but you'll worry more when you're not there to protect them. And sometimes it takes professional help because when you change your behavior, you're likely to start to feel a little bit worse before eventually feeling better. If this is something that you struggle with and you can't seem to change your behavior on your own, talk to a therapist if you can. If you can't, you might try self-help strategies like listening to this podcast or reading books on the subject. You might also find it's helpful to write in a journal or talk to someone that you trust to get things sorted out so that you don't accidentally do things that increase the chances that your biggest fears actually do come true. Thank you for listening to the Very Well Mind podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share the episode with your friends and family and leave a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the Very Well Mind podcast, you can head to verywellmind.com slash podcast.